This is the Family Crisis Podcast. I'm your host, Jody Schilling. Are you a mom who is tired of taking full responsibility for your entire family's health and happiness? This is the place where we unpack all that guilt, shame, and thoughts about you as a mom and show you how to live a life of purpose, even in family crisis. Hi, moms. Today, this is episode 15. Thank you for listening. And today we are talking about siblings. As we have families who may have kids who have neurodiversity or disabilities or mental health diagnoses, sometimes we also have kids who are more neurotypical. And when we have families with mixed kids with different abilities, which I think every family does, but particularly for those families where we have kids who are definitely impacted by the fact that our attention is focused on the kids who have the highest needs at any given time in the family. And so today we're talking about that, the impact on the siblings And the ways that we can, as moms, be aware of this and also take actions that are supportive for both the kids who have the diagnoses and for the kids who are more neurotypical. All right. So today's episode should give you a better understanding and it will also give you some strategies and some things to think about and actions you can take that will help for the whole family. So let's get started. The first thing I wanna talk about is the idea that as moms, here we are with more than one child. And I think like, as I shared before, I always think of kids being on the spectrum of personality spectrums versus ability spectrum, skills. We have all of these spectrums. I like to think of it like, I always think of like, this is an interesting (laughs) analogy, but we used to have these equalizers on stereos and they would have all the different adjustments that you could make. And I always think of kids as having this equalizer (laughs) and there's an area that you can make an adjustment or you can see their skill level be on one end, which is a lower frequency or an area of growth, or they can be on the other end in all these different areas. And I think that, that I just like to think about that when I think of kids, because first of all, you those can fluctuate, right? They can be, as they develop, they have different areas where they have strengths or areas that they're still growing in. And I think it's always really interesting to think about it because kids who are not neurotypical have sometimes really high strengths in other areas where kids who are more neurotypical have strengths or areas of growth in other areas. And if you were to look at all of them, if you compare different kids and you just looked at them all, they would all be, they would look mostly the same because they would just have all these variant, you know, areas of growth and areas that they are needing to grow in, or I don't even know if it's necessary to think that they're needing to grow. 
I think it's more, for me anyway, I like to think that they're unique and fine exactly the way they are, but they may have areas that they want to develop and grow and get better at, right? So anyway, as moms, when we're trying to focus on the child who does need more support for any given reason in the family, we will naturally feel guilty when we feel like we're neglecting or not giving an equal attention to all of the kids in the family. So when we have this, I think it's really important for us to recognize that that's our work. To work through if we feel guilty is not something that we need to project or (laughs) tell anybody in the family that we're going through that except for maybe our husband or our girlfriend or maybe if we have a therapist or a coach. But one thing I learned from my kids, this was an area that I had to learn. It wasn't, it just wasn't my best thing that I used to do. But a lot of times I would, I would just voice my emotional stress. You know, I would talk about, I just would, you know, that's how I processed. So I would often just tell the, all the kids in the family how stressed out I was. And this is not something that's helpful for kids, especially when they're younger. They really are looking to us as the mom to have it together in the sense that they just want to feel safe. And and so I'm not saying, I don't want you to feel bad if you're doing this, but I just want you to recognize that your kids are going to be okay. Even if you are doing making mistakes here and there, or if you are telling them that you're stressed out, it's still going to be okay because I did, (laughs) I'm, I'm living proof, but, but if I could go back, that's an area that once I became more aware of it, then I was more intentional about what I said to the kids about my own emotions. And The reason I said that that's our work to do, especially regarding guilt, because kids really pick up on, they recognize that, that we're under stress when they see that we're supporting the whole family and the child who has the highest need. And so siblings who, who are more neurotypical will often kind of in their mind you know, do deductive reasoning on it and think that, okay, mom's already stressed out. I don't feel comfortable telling her what my stresses are. And that's something that I did have my kids tell me at different times that they just didn't feel like they wanted to put any other stress on me. So sometimes when they were going going through something hard emotionally, they handled it on their own or shared it with another family member, they didn't feel like they could open up to me because they saw me stressed out. So of course, as a mom, you feel like, oh my gosh, I feel terrible about that, right? Which I did. And what I can tell you though now is that when I did learn that they were feeling that way, it, you know, if you think about it, it does make sense. Um, you know, kids do fill in the blanks on their own. 
So if they, they, they have this observation and they see that we're stressed out and they, you know, they fill in the story like themselves, like, I don't want to stress out mom more. What we can do as moms is we can keep those, those communications as open as we can. And, and that's what I was going to go into next on what we can do, things that we can do that can be helpful. And one of the first things we can do that's going to prevent the kids, all the kids in the family to have the idea that in our family, everybody gets what they need. And when you set it up that way as a mom, it's kind of like you have a, we all learn as a family what the response plan is. And it isn't something that we sit down with everyone and say, okay, (laughs) you know, every time someone has, you know, spills something and we have an upset and there's an emotional response, then this is where you're going to stand and this is what you're going to say and this is what you're going to do. We don't say that out loud and make those plans, but kids, when we have repetitive behavior and we we kind of lead the charge of the way that we, we respond. Kids take those cues and then they learn those routines. And we don't even realize that they're happening as a family. But what we can do when we're intentional about it is we can be prepared to be open about the way that we handle emotional upsets, for example. And depending on the age of the kids... I also think it's really helpful to be truthful and, and I want to, I'm going to use the word normalize and I really don't like that word because I think that, well, for a lot of reasons, but the idea that everybody has different levels and skill levels and things they're, they're working at or they're working on still, or they're good at. And I just think that whenever we can as a mom or in any setting that we're in, when we can just be like, yeah, that they're still working on that. Like using for kids that are younger, for example, to say they're still working on their emotions right now. They're having a hard time right now. And being able to just say it matter-of-factly to kids that, and also acknowledging their feelings in, in the situation, like that must feel really scary. When he throws his shoes, you must feel scared. Like I get it. So here's how we're going to do this. We're still teaching him how to handle his emotions or we're still working on this with her and she's learning, but I understand that you feel scared right now. And I think it's, it's a tricky balance to do, to, you know, take care of everybody in the moment. As we know, it's kind of like you're, you wish that you had a couple extra limbs and you can clone yourself Also, though, the other idea that was always helpful for me was to take the special time whenever we can. This goes back to what I was saying about in our family, kind of setting up this this culture in the family where it's the idea is that everyone gets what they need. So it's not that everyone gets the equal thing or the same thing, but each family member gets what they need. And so we did something in our family that we called special time. And even though my kids are in their early 20s, I still make an effort to have 
special time with each of them. And sometimes it's just, you know, running to the store together and saying, hey, do you want to ride with me? Because especially for older kids, you get the most out of those car rides. I'm telling you, sometimes you just ride in the car and they drop something that you're like, whoa, I was not expecting to hear that. (laughs) But I I don't know what it is. There's something safe about car rides, at least with our kids and our family. So that could be just one thing. And then sometimes it's really making an intentional plan. Like Thursday nights, you know, I, this is with this daughter, you know, this daughter and I have Thursday nights. That's our special time. And And when you establish that in your family and it's just part of your routine, you really will be amazed at how that can help with relationships. In our family, we had fluctuations in relationships, which again, this is a normal thing to have relationships change and fluctuate over time. So we had times where one of us, my husband or myself, and one of the kids was really connecting And then there were other times when one of us and one of the kids were not necessarily connecting very well, but having those intentional times set aside with each of the kids, with each of the parents really helps with keeping relationships. And it gives you time with the kids who are struggling and the kids who are more neurotypical, you have time to actually talk about how they're feeling about their emotions in the family, about what's going on. And especially if you have any upsetting events that happen in the family, um, having that one-on-one time with them is so important. The other thing before we close up tonight, I want to share with you is that I'm always one to read the articles that are out there that can kind of confirm or affirm what I have found to be the experience that we've had in our family that's really been helpful. And one of the things I want to share with you is that we think that there's a lot of research out there that siblings are impacted in a negative way and that there's some residual effects emotionally for them. We hear there's a lot that we hear about trauma and emotional trauma right now. And the research that is out there about siblings who grow up with siblings with disabilities or with siblings that have mental health diagnoses are that it is true that neurotypical siblings will sometimes experience more anxiety or more depression, or they may have a traumatic kind of experience, emotion, and that is a definite impact for sure. And there is research that supports that. But there's also research that supports that there are some positive outcomes for for neurotypical siblings. And one of them is that they have a strength that they develop with having enhanced adaptability, as well as empathy, which really makes sense when you think about it. And that I just wanted to share that that research is there and also that that was our experience in our family. I I don't want to minimize the impact that having anyone in the family, whether it's an adult or a child who struggles with mental health, there is an impact on the whole family and there's an impact 
on each individual in the family. And it depends on the age of the person at the time. It also depends on the kind of the natural disposition of the person and their personality. So we each have, we each have our own kind of resilience or, you know, the way that we respond, it's kind of a natural response that works for us. And, and sometimes we can learn things that are very adaptive. And sometimes we can learn ways to respond that are more maladaptive. But we each have our own way of responding and we are all impacted in an individual way. So I just want to share that in our family, the things that help the most are when we talked openly about what was happening and when we shared in an age-appropriate way with the family, with the kids, and also just even with having family conversations, we tried to make a balance of sharing information in an appropriate way, but also in a proportionate way, right? So we didn't we didn't have an overfocus on the fact that we had kids who had different diagnoses and talk about the diagnoses and kind of overemphasize that. We tried to have family events where we all could participate and we didn't need to really even talk about anybody's diagnoses or anything like that. We could, for example, all go to have a picnic by the river, you know, with all the kids we could participate in as many activities like that where different abilities didn't matter. There was no reason to make any special accommodations. And so we tried to make a balance of having those types of activities as much as possible, as well as participating in activities where someone in the family did need more support. So those are the things that I wanted to share about ways to support siblings And I also want to add one last thing. I I touched on this a little bit, but, um, but when we do have our own emotions to work through as moms, I want to really emphasize that talking with any other mom that has a similar situation and having that connection with them, I like, I always call it a reality check (laughs) and So, because if you, one of your kids, for example, tells you, I didn't feel like I could share that with you because you seemed already stressed out because you were already, you know, working with so-and-so sibling, this is a good opportunity for you to check in and process those feelings because that's going to be one that's going to hit you like a lump. I mean, I know for me, that was one of them that I felt like here I was you know, trying to do everything for everyone in the family. And if someone called me out and said, you're actually not, you are dropping the ball in this area or that area, I would just completely go straight to this guilt and shame and, you know, really feel bad. So if your tendency is that way also, I really, really encourage you to find some other moms that are going through. There's so many different supports, especially like on Facebook groups, um, Instagram, there's lots, there's lots of groups out there and support for any topic. You can type in the diagnosis borderline and 
support for borderline moms. And you will find a lot of that out there. So I really encourage you, if you don't have a friend that you can call, that you look into those kinds of supports out there because this is not something that you want to be ruminating on on your own and going out of your mind with guilt and shame. And just a quick call or connection. And you can also just DM me and I can talk you through it as well, but you do not want to be thinking that you are a bad mom at any given time. I say it over and over again, (laughs) and I'll keep telling you, you're not a bad mom. You are doing the best you can. And that is what I have for you today. So I will see you next week. Thank you for joining me. This was episode 15. And we were talking about supporting siblings. Have a great week. If you love what we're doing on the podcast, you should come and join my free and private Facebook group called Family Crisis for Moms. It's where we dive deeper, study, and finally solve all the things we talk about on the podcast. It's next level work if you're serious about making a change. It's free and full of moms just like you who want a better life. So head over now and join us. The link is on my website in the top right corner. See you there.